The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to the show. It's Tuesday, and as is every week on Tuesdays, it's Trouble Tuesdays. And not because you're troubled, but because we have the answers to any questions that is troubling you. My name is Paris. Dr. Lori is away. I have been sitting in for her It's been a privilege. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you guys have been okay with it. I know that you're very much used to hearing her voice every night of the week, uh, but she is going to be back on Monday night. The rest of the week is going to be packed with the regular guests and panels you're used to. We're going to talk sex and technology on Thursday. Tomorrow night is Teen Talk, where we discuss topics that relate to teen sexuality and sex education. But tonight, it's all about you. It's all about getting your questions answered and seeing that I'm not a therapist. We have invited psychotherapist Amanda Luterman here to answer your questions. She, like Dr. Lori, specializes in sexuality. You can connect with her at amandaluterman.com. Luterman is spelled L-U-T-E-R-M-A-N. Welcome back. Thank you, Paris. We did this together last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And it went well. It was great. <laughs> it went well as if it does it any other time. It's always um, such a pleasure to get your insight because I feel like, um, I don't know, every therapist has their own way of speaking, but I feel like when I hear you talk, you have a special way of connecting. Hmm, thank you. To any of you listening out there, if you have any questions that relate to love, to relationships, to your sexuality, or just something that's been on your mind that you've been holding on to um, that relate to your state of mind and your personal relationships with people around you when it relates to love or to intimacy or maybe even sexual dysfunction. She is here. Amanda is definitely qualified to answer the questions. You can text us at 514-800. Or if you want to call us, you could do it anonymously. You don't have to give us your name. It's 514-790-0800. And I always like to reiterate that this is an open and judgment-free space. So please feel free to, you know, ask any question that's on your mind that relates to love and sexuality. The other thing I always like to remind you guys when we start, when we do this program, is don't wait until the last 10 minutes of the show to get your text in. Usually there's tons of texts that call in, that come in during the show. And, you know, just to catch up and to get to them adequately, it takes time. So if you have anything, please don't wait until the end. We would love to get your question in. So it's already starting our first one is why does my boyfriend want to act out a rape fantasy? We are an open-minded couple, and he recently told me he wanted to act it out. I'm open to trying things, but should I be worried that he thinks these thoughts? Okay, so uh, a a question I've heard actually quite a bit, and maybe this is about porn, maybe this is not about porn one way or the other. Um, It's important to be open-minded to... Um, to healthy communication between uh, between partners in a relationship where there's consent, there's talk, there's, you know, you're having a conversation about what you would like or what you envision doing in the context of consent. So first of all, there's no such thing um, 
as uh, as sort of a rape situation in a consensual rape fantasy situation. And it's really important to distinguish between those two. So if you're talking about fantasy, you are not talking about a factual, uh, a forceful situation. You're not talking about um, in fact, anything distinctly harmful in actuality. So it, it, that's just a really key thing to keep in mind, right? So if somebody says, I really want to tie your hands behind your head or, or you know, or something like that, or use a, a prop, for example, or to, um, or to play with those ideas, remember that we've all been socialized to some of those ideas in Hollywood and in pornography and, um, and to, to play with power in sex. And it could be just sort of a fun, dominant kind of fantasy, a nurturing dominant experience, but it's going to play out in, in a role play. And I think that's, that's the idea here that you want to play with is that number one, it's a completely communicative, consensual experience. There's nothing to worry about because he's talking to you about it. This is not a person who's fantasizing rape because he's talking to you about what he'd like to play with. And right. go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, again, reminding everyone I'm not a therapist I'm not a doctor I'm not equipped at all so I'm gonna ask the the basic questions here if somebody is wanting to act out a rape fantasy Mm -hmm. they are thinking of rape no well what they're thinking about is is taking sort of that that think of from an erotic standpoint the taking of their partner they want somebody to totally and completely you know be at their whim sort of thing. So what we look at in erotic okay. literature is the themes and the energy in it, but certainly not the level of harm that you would think of when you think of sexual assault. Right. But so then what's the difference between a rape fantasy mm-hmm. and S&M? Uh, as, uh, a rape fantasy is one of the role play scripts that would play out as part of S&M. So okay. uh, BDSM, sadomasochism, S&M, these are uh, the world of kink in general is ultimately in the most general way possible uh, to explain this really quickly, because, of course, this is a thesis, um, is is essentially playing with power in sexuality. So it's not just the assumption that, um, let's say, well... Let me say this differently, actually. Hold on a second. That what I say in session with couples who are beginning to toy with kink is remember that the the groom carrying the bride over the threshold, that idea of a man picking up a woman in a heterosexual, iconic fairy tale image, right? That that distinctly is a play of power. It is the man that picks up the woman, and we would feel somewhat disturbed by the idea of, you know, it would be sort of strange to us, I guess, if the woman were to pick up the man. Right. So it's a distinct power play. That's one script. There are very many other kinds of scripts that you can play with. And that one, the all of society and and religion and everything, we all consent to that one based on our socialization. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the only one. Kink lets us know there are many others. You're listening to Passion. It is Trouble Tuesday. Amanda Luderman is in studio with us answering your questions. Another question is, I work out a lot, but my boyfriend started gaining weight after an injury and he hasn't gotten back into training even now that he is better. We've been together less than a year, but things are serious between us. But my problem is that a healthy lifestyle is what brought us together and training together is our thing. I want to get back into it, but he's not interested and he has had the go ahead to work out for the past seven months. 
the medical go ahead, I assume. Yes. Um, okay, so what sounds like what's really important to this person is a healthy lifestyle. And not only a healthy lifestyle, but actually a buddy, a partner yeah, that she's dating to, to enjoy that lifestyle with. So this sounds like a really great conversation you can have with your partner, um, to, to the writer here. Um, you want to explain something like, you know, I really miss being able to work out with you. And, and I really want this. This is an important part of a life that I really want with you. Um, what can I do to help you feel motivated? Or maybe we can start small together somehow and to just kickstart with gentle steps. It's hard to get back into it if to, after you've been out for a while. And what if it is extremely important to her and he doesn't get back into it? Well, she'll decide her priorities, right? I mean, it's okay to notice. Uh, I always uh, encourage my clients to look at the question of appeal. Like, you, you don't have to say, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Should I just abandon this relationship or not? What you want to think about is, is this situation actually appealing to me now? It's okay to be turned off. And you can even, you know, think about this from a place of how, you know, what are the other ways that this person turns me on? And are those enough? And can I... Can I function with this? Can I work with this for a little bit? So you're listening to Passion. We're on every weeknight from 10 to 11 p.m. talking love, sex and relationships. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. It's Trouble Tuesday here on Passion. Amanda Luderman is in studio to answer your questions. She is, like Dr. Lori, specializing in sexuality. She is a therapist. Actually, she's a psychotherapist. You can connect with her at amandaluderman.com. The questions are coming in, so if you have any, please text us, 514-800. Do not wait until the end of the show because we want to make sure to get to it. If you want to call us, it's 514-790-0800. So let's do this. Amanda, somebody says, how can you let someone with whom you've agreed to be exclusive that you'd like to be in more of an open situation without being hurtful? Um, the question is, how can you let them know without it being hurtful? Well, first of all, you can never express your needs without necessarily it being hurtful. You actually don't have, um, you know, you can't predict that. But we also try to not take responsibility for other people's emotions, right? That's that's an important theme always. So what you, the best thing you can do is assert the, the feelings or the needs that you have. And a good way to go about it is saying something like, um, you know, I'm fulfilled with you and I feel great with you. And I've also noticed that... I, there are other parts of me erotically or other aspects of, of my um, erotic imagination or the fantasies that I want to explore outside of just us. And it's something that I feel like we could do really boundaried, um, really carefully, and that I would, you know, promise to check in with you about really carefully. Is this something you want to be, that you might be interested in figuring out how to do properly with me? And that's actually, the reason I say that is because in therapy, uh, a big part of my practice actually is people carefully seeking some guidance to, to open up their relationships. You are listening to Trouble Tuesday. That voice belongs to Amanda Luderman. She's here to answer your questions. The next one is, I have a question for your guest. I'm trying to reconcile myself with the gay community, but have a huge wall up due to the pressure to have to be, uh, to have a perfect body. Do you have any recommendations on how to get over that wall? 
Oh, body image concerns are certainly, uh, you know, thought stereotypically to be a woman's issue. And, and we, we know that that's obviously not the case. People of all genders absolutely navigate difficulties feeling good enough in their bodies. And the gay community has a, a pretty bad reputation for being pretty critical and, and uh, aesthetically focused. So it's something uh, very worthy of talking to a therapist about. Um, you might want to work through some of the cognition, some of those those nitty gritty critical thoughts that you have poking at you um, throughout your day that sometimes make it very difficult. Uh, so yeah I want to add to that because um, I mean body image like you said men and women mm. people of all genders sure. suffer from it uh, it's and often you hear you should be confident in who you are and confidence is the sexiest but when you have let's say stretch marks or scars or loose skin things that are conventionally conventionally not considered attractive how how can you reconcile that for yourself and be confident when you fully know that having stretch marks covering your body is is not perceived as beautiful by the majority and even by those people who who are who don't care that you have stretch marks because a lot of people really don't care that you have stretch marks oh of course but even those people that don't care may think oh well you have stretch marks but i still think you're beautiful right yeah it's 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 a tough thing, especially since nowadays with, you know, people scrolling Instagram a good chunk of their day, for instance, uh, you know, and, and other images of, of altered perfection, you know, modified, photoshopped, whatever. Uh, I think a big part of feeling good in your own skin has to do with um, not so much what I say, I tend to say not what you eat, but what you fill your mind with. So do be careful that you're not conditioning yourself to images that are completely ridiculous, like completely not realistic at all. And you'd be surprised if being, how being around people who are more realistic and more um, uh, normative looking could actually really change you. Like, um, you know, for example, if you do, you know, the classic go to the gym where all the, you know, slightly older uh, people walking around the locker rooms uh, care less about how they look, for example, than uh, than younger people's uh, more vain, more more self-conscious perspective, right? It, it can really be positive for you. So give yourself an Instagram diet, for example. You know, give yourself a chance to actually look, like look for images of beauty that are not perfect. And, uh, and you'd be surprised how you might actually feel a little bit better about yourself. You're listening to Passion. Amanda Luterman is in studio answering your questions. Uh, there's a couple texts that came in Referring to uh, some of the topics that we were speaking about before, uh, there was a texter who had written about uh, concern because her partner had a rape fantasy and she was worried that it was something she should be concerned about. And we have a texter writing in saying, I think a rape fantasy is hot. In my first relationship, my boyfriend and I loved role playing, even though we never had intercourse. My boyfriend used to pretend he was my babysitter and take advantage of his dominance. And I used to love it when he chased me. That relationship was more fulfilling than most of my intercourse relationships. And then we also got a text from somebody who uh, was concerned that their partner was no longer working out. And it was a binding, um, an experience that bound them together earlier on in their relationship and this person texts in saying I know people who eat so well that they don't need to work out 
Sometimes, depending on their job, if they spend time on their feet lifting boxes and walking, they never have to set foot in the gym. However, if the boyfriend is sitting most of the time, work extra long hours, gaming sessions, and eating fattening foods, then maybe adding a workout video can be beneficial. There are tons of free ones on YouTube. You can't force someone. They have to be motivated themselves. Stop being a dictator. <laughs> sex is a calorie burner. Try more sex with your partner. Okay. There's a lot there. I want to go back for a second to the um, the people who you were just describing, um, who uh, the person who describes, you know, having a dominant, um, you know, babysitter narrative um, in their relationship and that it was a really fulfilling relationship. So the line that, you know, we said before um, uh, was just how you never want to yuck anyone's yum. And if two people are having a very communicative, healthy, agreed upon, consensual, enthusiastically consensual relationship, then some of those narratives might be a little funny. I mean, it's definitely that uh, to, just to say a little bit off to people who are not um, acquainted with with kink or with BDSM or with any of those narratives. It's actually totally OK to play with power in your in your relationship. It does not have the research has shown it is not correlated whatsoever with non-consensual or pedophilic tendencies at all. It's important for people to know that. It is okay to notice straight up genital arousal when you think about certain dynamics that are a bit um, taboo, to say the least. So are, are a bit, you know, um, just silly to even think about for some people. Some of these erotic narratives definitely um, make some people uncomfortable. And, and it's okay to to notice that you might have that conservative approach to to what sex should be like, but just what I tell people is don't yuck anyone's yum. You know, there are a lot of foods out there that you might not eat that other people love. Another, another texter um, starts off with lovely compliments to me. Thank you. And <laughs> also to you. Uh, it Thank says, you. Amanda, is it fair to accept that your girlfriend doesn't have an orgasm no matter what pleasures are provided, blaming it on mental stresses from everything but the boyfriend? It's been months that this has been happening. I suspect something's up, even though she seems satisfied with everything. 20-year age gap between partners, her being older, living in different towns but meeting every weekend. Any thoughts? Should I accept it or dig further? She was having them before, and it seems like a sudden change for the last few months. Um, okay, so first of all, uh, inorgasmia, typically the inability to um, to have an orgasm uh, is is not usually a medical concern. It's in fact, I, I have to say in my practice, I have not ever worked with anyone who is ultimately long term incapable of having an orgasm. So uh, that sounds sort of bold to say, but it's true so far. Um, what I do say is that people do uh, have gone through chapters where it's particularly difficult to to reach or to main, um, to sustain uh, arousal in order to reach orgasm. Uh, she's right. She might feel, you know, just like she's saying, um, she's psychologically stressed out. There might be a lot on her mind distracting her, keeping her from being able to be present in the moment to focus on sensations. What I would encourage her to do, there is a book that a colleague of mine out of BC um, just came out with this year that's wonderful. It's called uh, Better Sex Through Mindfulness. Don't don't mind the kitschy title on mindfulness. It And the subtitle is How to... Um, I think it's uh, how to cultivate uh, women's desire or cultivating women's desire, something like that. Her name is Lori Brotto, B-R-O-T-T-O. She's wonderful. She only ever did um, academic research until this book. She's coming out. This book is the, her first piece for the public, from what I understand. And um, it can really help her do some uh, mindfulness exercises that might be able to to help um, uh, access uh, her ability to focus on 
on, uh, you know, the sensations and on, on the skills, uh, required to enjoy orgasm. And I'm really, you know, com- of course I, I want to commend her, the partner here, uh, concerned about her, their partner's pleasure. I, I think, um, you know, she's, she's on, she's on to the right, on the right track. Uh, the book is called again if you missed it it's, it's called better sex through mindfulness <laughs> how women can cultivate desire it's available on paperback it's by Lori brado b-r-o-t-t-o and it's a black cover yeah you can google it it came up on amazon <laughs> one of the first ones that came up um they mentioned the age difference a 20 year yes. age gap that's right. Thank you. The 20 year age gap. Uh, also, it's possible. I don't know which years we're talking about here. It's uh, if it's 20 and 40, this is not necessarily the case, you know, but um, I, I would assume it isn't. If it's uh, 30 and 50, we are looking at the um, 50 year age range, for example, um, being uh, one that involves some hormonal shifts and changes. So so you might want to also speak with um, uh, a gynecologist or, or endocrinologist to be able to just get a sense of what could be going on for her based on her previous history of orgasm and and her now lack thereof. So good luck to you guys. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. It's Trouble Tuesday. That means the hour is dedicated to you and to your questions. Amanda Luderman is in studio with us. She is a psychotherapist here to answer your questions. She, like Dr. Lori, specializes in sexuality. And by the way, if you're just joining us and you're wondering where Dr. Lori is, she's on vacation. She's going to be back with you on Monday night. Until then, I'm keeping her seat warm, but we are keeping the regular panels going. Uh, Once a month, we have Teen Talk, where we discuss teen sexuality and sex education. That's coming up tomorrow night. And then on Thursday, it's sex and technology. But right now, Back to you. We had a conversation earlier. If you're just joining us right now, somebody had texted in a question uh, asking about um, their relationship with their partner. There's a 20 year age gap and their partner is having trouble coming to uh, or achieving orgasm. Mm -hmm. And there, there was, you know, there were a couple of follow up issues that that we can address just in case we didn't cover everything during the first segment well we can never cover anything anyway i mean a lot you know i never want to uh underestimate the complexity of of sexuality in general i mean and uh, if you were to ask me some of these questions on a different day i probably would you know have certain things to say you would maybe, answer them I, differently maybe, i mean in general probably not some of the same themes would come up but i think it's important to you know to just uh to remember how complex the these these situations are. We're only hearing obviously quite a tiny snippet of of the story. So when it comes to um, uh, inorgasmia in couples, I mean difficulty reaching uh, orgasms, uh, to f- even feeling satisfied from orgasms that you have. I just want to underline um, how how beneficial what I call the three to six session commitment is that you don't have to say to, to go to therapy. You don't have to commit to going to therapy indefinitely. It doesn't have to be a weekly, you know, expensive investment forever. It, it could be really helpful to commit as a couple at any given point. I always say this, that, uh, you know, um, always be ready within your relationship to initiate three sessions for in, in therapy at any given point. If you're stressed about something or stuck in a, in a fight 
appetite that you keep rehaving, for example. Um, and certainly when it comes to not having enough pleasure in your sex life, uh, you, you should absolutely be open. I would really encourage everybody to be open to just talking to somebody, getting some objective insight into your situation. Maybe just even one thing you didn't think of um, that might come up in a meeting or, or sharing something in a way that would justify your pain might be particularly therapeutic. So do do be, you know, be willing to go um, speak to someone. There was two other things. You yeah. mentioned that it was rarely technique that's the issue. Yeah, uh, I think firstly, uh, all too often couples focus on, you know, uh, mechanically focus on reaching orgasm and not necessarily on 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 being aroused. So you want to make sure, am I really turned on? Am I, you know, are we uh, culminating this pleasure in something? Do you, do you want that feeling of release in the end? Or are you sort of mechanically going toward, uh, you know, doing what you think you should be doing? Um, it, it's important to distinguish between, between those things. Um, what did I want to say about... The other thing was focusing on pleasure. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to a person wanting an orgasm who is not, um, don't focus on that person. There's, I can't say this enough, so many people who have trouble reaching orgasm uh, or frankly even maintaining an erection. Um, if the focus is on them too much, the stress or the pressure of having to 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 show erotic gratification for the couple is is really... Uh, extensive. You don't want to, the pressure should not be on her. She should not be receiving, you know, 45 minutes of oral in hopes that it culminates in an orgasm. And because then he did everything right. And, and, you know, there's must be therefore something wrong with her. That's not hot. That's a lot of pressure. That's just too much focus, too much stimulation. Nobody wants a numgina at the end of the night. <laughs> numgina. <laughs> you know, there is such a thing as skin friction that can just become uncomfortable even if the technique is great. So what I see in a lot of couples is that it's rarely the technique. I'm rarely teaching people the mechanics of their sexuality. I'm usually tweaking something in the erotic dynamic of the couple that is leaving one or both or all or some of the partners um, not aroused. So the focus should be pleasure and arousal, not orgasms. Correct. Okay. Uh, another text just coming in. I'm in a poorly polyamorous relationship. And one of my partners told me today that she feels uncomfortable with uh, with that my primary partner wants to be her friend on social media and felt particularly weird about a public post expressing her affection for me. How do I make both partners feel important and should I try to cultivate a friendship between the two or should mm -hmm. I keep a distance between them and tell my primary to dial down the PDA? Well, first of all, any feelings of jealousy or insecurity in the context of um, a new and important person in our partner's relationships, uh, relationship, uh, social circle, uh, you know, any of those insecurities, I guess, factor under into a kind of a jealousy, right? And we know that jealousy is a sort of a, I call it a sort of a social anxiety. And it's particular to the fear of loss of our partners. So did that make sense? Um Sometimes and jealousy basically tends to lie to 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 the people feeling it. Jealousy, you know, lies to you and says that if you're if somebody else is important, you're not important anymore. So what you're 
um, I forget who, tell me again about the, the constellation there. It was, my partner told me today that she feels uncomfortable that my yeah. primary partner wants to be her friend on social media and felt particularly weird about a public post expressing mm-hmm. her affection for me. How do I make both partners feel important or should I try to call, cultivate a partnership between the two? Well, the, even PDAs in, in non-monogamy is something that should be agreed upon. So if you've got primary and secondary partners, you know, sometimes, um, it can feel like a little bit of a showing up kind of thing. Like if you write online, then, oh, now you're trying to look like the primary in status. So that's something that should be discussed. What are What is comfortable for the primary partner? What is comfortable? Um, what are the rules of the, of the game there? When you do have a polyamorous relationship or an open mm-hmm. relationship, is sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes when I've heard Dr. Lori have guests like that on the show and they're speaking, I feel like there's uh, a greater responsibility on the partners to be so much more mindful mm-hmm. of the repercussions of their actions, more so than, than in monogamous couples. I would agree with that. And okay. I can tell you, it, certainly in my office, the uh, working with non-monogamous relationships, polyam. I don't always say polyamory because it's not necessarily... Um, you know, long-term loving relationships um, within the constellation. Sometimes it's a primary relationship with rights for, you know, permissions for, um, uh, you know, secondary relationships, but not necessarily secondary, uh, secondary encounters, but not necessarily secondary relationships. It or gets partnerships. Right. Yeah. I mean, what I, I just want to say that, yes, I think that's true. Um, accountability is the word I was just looking for. Accountability is uh, much, typically, in my experience, higher emotional accountability organizational skills, communication skills, they tend to be pretty high in in those who are used to maintaining multiple relationships. Yeah, because you have one relationship and you have one partner to keep happy and satisfied. Now, because a lot of people are like, oh, it would be so great if I could have multiple partners. But if you You really say that, yeah, but you have to think about it. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Yeah, your primary partner still needs to feel incredibly cared for, um, validated on levels that just to to allow you Mm -hmm. that that... Even psychological permission for yourself that you're not betraying your partner. So much to talk about. So much (laughs) still left to talk about. You're listening to Passion. We're on every weeknight from 10 to 11 p.m. talking love, sex, and relationships. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. It's Trouble Tuesday, as is every Tuesday here on Passion. That means we are getting to your questions. Amanda Luterman, psychotherapist specializing in sexuality, just like Dr. Lori, is in studio with us. If you're just joining us and you're wondering where Dr. Lori is, she's on vacation. She's going to be back on Monday. Uh, earlier, we were talking about uh, stretch marks and that having an effect on how you view yourself, how comfortable you are uh, in your body and you know your body image in general. And somebody texted in uh, saying... Now I lost it. This is live In the meantime, radio. I call them lightning bolts of the skin. There you go. It says a lot of people have stretch marks and other flaws. There are a lot of creams on the market and microneedling can help with certain scars and stretch marks. Mm. I have had it done on my face and it really smooths the skin. It in- induces collagen production. 
there are a ton of wonderful options to tweak insecurities that you might have. And I'm not against any of that stuff. I really think that people deserve to feel well um, and to, you know, clear up some of that mental space that's taken up by insecurities. So, you know, by all means, um, avail yourself of whatever you're able to do to make yourself comfortable. At the same time, please know so well how normal and how, um, uh, you know, it, it's perfectly, uh, it is not pathological. It's perfectly normal to have uh, wear and tear of the skin as we age and to, to grow into, um, to, you know, the normal changes um, that come with, with just living in our bodies. And I really think it's something that, uh, unfortunately, we go through a really brutal period. I think the 30s, my God, the 20s and 30s, man, they probably, you know, from what I hear so much in my office are I so hard. Women the in their 40s and 50s are so much better at being in their own skin. Really? I, my clients really, my wonderful, you know, 40 and 50 something year old women clients really have me looking forward to aging. Um, to the person who texted telling Amanda and I that you're enjoying the show. Thank <laughs> That's you. not what she said. She said we <laughs> rocked and I, we really appreciate well, that. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's just really lovely. Um, by the way, the the conversation is going on behind the scenes. Amanda is live on her Facebook page. What page? Yes, can- I forgot to say that. Um, we've been fa- on Facebook Live. Uh, my Facebook page is Amanda Luderman Psychotherapist. Um, it's It's been fun. It's kind of boring when I forget that it's on and talk to Paris and don't look at it for multiple minutes at a time. So please know you can fast forward. It'll be on. You know, it'll be there. It is going to stay on her page, and if you want to connect with Amanda or have other questions for her, you can message her directly. Yeah, what I noticed last week is that we have the people don't necessarily write onto the live feed because I understand some of the questions are personal and it is yes. associated with their identity, right? Your face, your your Facebook. Um, so your you face. can direct message her. So I do get messages, and I want to thank you, those people who are bravely letting me know their identities. Um, I'm more than happy to answer your questions. We have a texter who wants to know, how can you know that BDSM kink you have as a dominant is healthy and not abusive or a sign of abusive tendencies? That's a great question. Um, Thank you for that question. Uh, The best way to know is if you are um, trying to come up with ways to get your partner to do something that could be harmful to them and you are, um, you know, not thinking about sharing full uh, details of what you'd like to do uh, and talk it thoroughly out before you play it out in a scene. So my rule is talk it out before you play it out and also never alter a scene once it has begun. So it doesn't matter how turned on you get, once the scene has begun, you absolutely never want to change the details of the pre-agreed upon terms before you begin. Sometimes, you know, arousal betrays us that way and has you wanting to do something that you, in rational, you know, in wise mind, pre-arousal would, did not want to do. So just remember um, that. And, and lastly, you know, aftercare is essential. So you want to be able to talk out and talk after the the events um, that, that you you know, that transpired together. And so if you're not thinking out how to make it absolutely safe and wonderful and pleasurable for your partner, then, you know, maybe you've got a little bit of a sadistic tendency. And if you do, I really, uh, you're welcome to come and talk to me about it, to talk to a therapist in general. Um, People are afraid to harm others, especially with the Me Too movement these days. People are afraid of ever being accused sometimes. So just, it's okay to to talk that through with a professional. I'm absolutely non-judgmental about any of those concerns. No question is silly um, or foolish whatsoever. And, and please don't hesitate to reach out. 
the word aftercare, um, for any of our listeners who are not familiar with it, it's interesting because in normal, not normal, but in, in regular quote unquote vanilla sex, a lot of people, especially if you're not in a relationship that's like super committed, or even maybe if you are super committed, cuddling afterwards, some people aren't into it. But mm-hmm. like you mentioned, right. aftercare. So when you are practicing BDSM, it's not something you should skip. So you might not like Actually, cuddling, but... Uh, no, it's not that. It, it, to me, aftercare just sim- is the umbrella term for anything that each person has specified they need after sex. Exactly. So, so you can't just leave it. By the way, uh, I know far more people who require aftercare after vanilla sex than after BDSM. Interesting. For example, if you... I think I told you about this that time, actually, Paris. The I wrote this article. For Let's psych- be clear about what yeah. you mean by that time. That time. Yeah. <laughs> Our conversations after the show are far more interesting. Um, no, there was an article um, that I, I put on Psychology Today last year called um, The Vulnerability Hangover. And uh, in case anybody wants to think about, you know, pains of vulnerability or just just like basic feelings of violation that occur after casual sex, um, you know, dating where you haven't necessarily any predetermined needs for uh, pre-communicated needs for aftercare or even just getting a text after a hookup is, you know, when you don't hear from a person again, how painful that can be. That's what that article was about. It was essentially about how I really wish that in the casual sex world, in, in people who are just hooking up and dating and, you know, not necessarily thinking too seriously, that I wish that they looked to to kink for some of the skills, like basic aftercare. The skill is of checking in and being straight up decent with a person you might have bumped genitals with yesterday. That's what I wanted to say. The quote unquote cuddling does not mean physically cuddling, physically cuddling, holding somebody in bed, but allowing that time to be considerate of whatever it was that your partner needs at that point. It's letting a person know that after being sexually gratifying, they are still of worth. It's treating a person as though even though sex is over, they are still valid and important and deserving of care. That's what that is. That's what aftercare is. I almost want to like stay quiet so we can highlight that point. Um, This is such an important and I I don't think I mean, part of sexual education, this is clearly never taught or rarely taught. You'd have to talk about pleasure to talk about aftercare. And unfortunately, sex ed is a little short on talking about pleasure. If you want to share this message with anyone and you don't have to listen to the whole show, the podcast is available on drlaurie.com. I'm going to tweet it out. If you want to share this and tell the person to fast forward all the way to the end to listen to what Amanda (laughs) just said. So, so, so important. If you want to connect with Amanda, it's amandaluderman.com. She is a psychotherapist specializing in sexuality. You went to Columbia. We don't mention that enough, <laughs> but she went to Columbia. People. I was wearing my sweatshirt until I changed to come here. I was just, that's funny. Yes. How, how else can people connect with you? Um, how else can people connect with me? So yes, amandaluderman.com is my website. Um, amandaluderman at gmail.com is my email. Um, you're also welcome to uh, visit me on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, where else am I? And my Facebook page actually is really where I'm, um, you know, posting articles here and there. I have a Medium account where I blog. I've got, um, you know, some some recent posts on topics like porn and sex toys for men and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, if you're catching up with us or if you've been looking uh, listening throughout the show, we did mention a book. It's called Better Sex Through Mindfulness. It's by Lori Brado, yes. uh, which was an important book uh, for anyone who is experiencing... Who's having trouble... Um 
cultivating desire. Women's cultivating desire. Wonderful. And again, if you want to connect with Amanda directly and ask her any follow-up questions, it's amandaluderman.com. That. I was going to say thank you, and that's it for me all at the same time. This show is not possible without all of you guys texting in your questions. I hope your questions were answered and that you felt welcomed and in a non-judgmental space because that is what this show is all about. So thank you for tuning in. I want to thank Brian Kalisar for getting this show to air. You've been listening to Passion. You can stay in touch with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Paris Mansuri. Actually, uh, check out my Instagram right after because Amanda and I are going to share <laughs> a tip. Share a tip right after that's non-sex related. You've been listening to Passion. We're going to speak again tomorrow night. Stay tuned for the news. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to fill your life with passion. You might be a sweet talker.